podcast, an album-by-album rewatch of Sting's on-again, off-again relationship with drum machines. Drum machines? Drum machines. Drum machines. Drum machines. Drum machines. He, he was the fourth sheen brother. <laughs> yeah, Charlie and then jump. Drum. <laughs> this is Outlanders to Podcast, an album-by-album rewatch of Sting's on-again, off-again relationship with drum machines. We've arrived at the on-again phase. And how. I'm Adam Magusia. I made a home cassette demo of this entire podcast before we even got here to record it. I'm Meg Donahue, and I refuse to listen to that. Today we are talking about The Police's fourth album, Ghost in the Machine. And this is the album where they really start to stop sounding like a group, They right? really, yeah, it, it really is, it's, it's like a hermetically sealed thing. You can't separate out the layers that you used to be able to, like, oh, this is Stuart, and oh, this is Andy. Mm. Suddenly it just became, it becomes this... Sting! Sting, yeah. yeah. Stuart and Andy! <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Um, so here, here is... I'm Andy and I'm mad. How do you do, fellow kids? What? <laughs> I always imagine him wearing, like, um, Hawaiian t-shirts. Yeah. Is he a little girl, too, in your mind? <laughs> so I'm Andy and I'm mad. I'm, I'm Andy and I'm mad about I'm... it. I'm not happy about it. Here's Stuart in his documentary uh, recalling this period in the band's history. We are here in paradise, but this band is beginning to get on my nerves. Montserrat. Montserrat. And look, Sting has gotten some brown people from the island to sing a a, a, a tribal <laughs> chant on a song. How authentic. <laughs> so authentic. <laughs> He's they like really the whole like... foods of music. So authentic. <laughs> they really look like they're like, what are we doing here now? <laughs> Sting doesn't bring in half-finished songs anymore. He's doing so much homework that there's not much room for new ideas. His ideas are brilliant, but more and more we're stuck with them. And he's liking it less and less when we mess with them. Okay, go. One, two, three, four. So yeah, that kind of explains the whole album, doesn't it? It really does. It really, it really does. It doesn't sound like three people playing anymore. It does sound just like Sting's boots smashing down on the two. On of a them. human face forever. On a human face forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really sad, actually. I mean, it's a good album. I don't think it's one of their best, but um, I don't think I don't I don't I don't think it's one of their best. I don't think it's one of their best. It's funny. You go to the like the police websites and each album they're like, this one's considered their best. Oh wait, no, this This one's considered the best. Considered by most fans as their finest work. Yeah. Widely hailed as their best album. I suppose to a certain extent that's just like a statistical sampling error. Like when there's only five <laughs> albums, right. if if uh, if 20% of critics regard any one of them as the best, like uh-huh. that's pretty widely considered the best. Right, right? exactly. So they're yeah. not lying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just statistics. <laughs> Ghost of the Machine was released in 1981. Adam, what was happening in the world in 1981? Iran released all 52 of its remaining U.S. hostages just minutes after Ronald Reagan assumed the presidency. But not even the Gipper could stop Sting from holding the police hostage. Mr. Sumner, tear down this wall. That's a sweet burn. That is a sweet burn. The television show Dynasty premiered. Chrysler CEO Lee Iacocca was such a fan of the show that when it premiered, he took to wearing ball gowns at shareholders' meetings and face-slapping GE's Jack Welch during their weekly croquet matches. Is that true? 
Yes. Yes? It's, <laughs> it's not liveless if you put a question mark behind it. Yes? <laughs> That's how that works. Yep. John Hinckley shot and wounded President Reagan and his press secretary, James Brady, leading to the Brady Bill and other gun control measures that forever stemmed the violence and made America into the safe and peaceful paradise that we enjoy today. Paintball is invented in New Hampshire. Because if you don't end up with bruises, it's not really team building, is it, Steve? 1981, the year the wheels started coming off that there police car. So when Stewart says that Sting is doing his homework, this is what he means. You can go on YouTube and find the demos for every single yeah. song on Ghost in the Machine. Sting's home cassette demos with his little drum machine. Is he not wearing a shirt in that picture? He's not wearing a shirt in any. They're in Montserrat. Oh, they're in Montserrat. And, and why wear shirts in the studio that's air conditioned? <laughs> <laughs> why would you do it? Got to show off these abs. <laughs> Lovely fade. I'm not complaining. No, you're not. Mm-mm, looks like he's also wearing a tie. It's, it's a, a very, tie and no shirt. It's That's, very. It's, it's the traditional. <laughs> it is the traditional Montserrat. tribal dress of the Montserrati. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see it. <laughs> so offensive, Meg. Uh, which demo do you want to listen to? Um, let's do. Yeah, let's do spirits and material. World. Okay. Yeah, he had a um, in Montserrat. He had a drum machine that he had named Dennis. 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 Dennis the drum machine. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. There was a um, an interview with Jules Holland where he brings Dennis out, and it's cute. It is cute. It is cute. It's interesting. I mean, so uh, let's go ahead and compare it to um, you know. Here's here's how that song ends up sounding on the record. Mm-hmm. No drum machine, but still the keyboard, still the synthesizer, still, yeah. and Andy is like humiliatingly just doubling the keyboard part with his guitar, and you can barely hear it. Yeah. So here's my question. Which is, and, and oh, sorry. <laughs> is this album a total bummer? Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. It's not a total bummer. So there is, uh, there actually is some drum machine also later on this album too, which like when you think about it, like how fucking crazy it is that, that you're using drum machine when Stuart Copeland is your drummer. Um, but there's drum machine on here from here on out from yeah. here and there with the police. So here's my question. What is up with Sting and his Cheesy keyboards and drum machines at this era. What is driving him to involve that in a band that really does not need them? I think it's his his songwriting changes now, too, because he's gone from the personal to the political to looking outside of himself. And I think this is all part and parcel of his break, his his psychic break with the his past and, and with the guys and. I just I think that the drum machine was a spiteful move on his part. I wow. think it was a just a straight up. It was Dennis a stri- was a fuck you to Stewart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> screw you, Dennis, or screw you, Stewart. I got Dennis now. Mm. Put some uh, googly eyes on that machine. <laughs> a floppy blonde, <laughs> floppy a floppy blonde Bob. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> but I think it. I think you know they talk about this album being angry, and I think it's angry, but I don't think it's angry in in any kind of 
real substantive way. I think it's angry. It's subtextually angry. Yes. And they say that, you know, it's popping out and you can feel the anger. And I I, I don't know. I feel like this is, I feel like this is all very passive aggressive. I think this is the most passive aggressive album that Mm. they have. I buy your theory. I would yes and it with the following ideas. Better than a no but. (laughs) First of all, I think Sting is just responding to the times and in the very early 80s, you you remember how like there was a time in like the earlier mid 2000s when anything, any song that came out that didn't have a lot of auto tune on it sounded kind of passe and yeah. old. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't mean like the little subtle just fixing out of tune vocals auto tune. I mean, like the hardcore blippy robot voice, share voice. T-Pain? T-Pain voice. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Anything that didn't have T-Pain voice on it just sounded like this is not the grand old opera. You're so 2000 late. It's 2008, you know. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Worst lyric ever. <laughs> you 2000 late. It <laughs> aged well. I told you, it did. It did. Timeless. Timeless. Good as shit. So I think to a certain extent. I wonder if that's how like keyboards and drum machines sounded at, in this era. Like anything that didn't have drum machine on it yeah. sounded not au courant. There was in like the fifties. There was um, that that instrument that had that like woo woo. The theremin. That's what that is. That this is the theremin of the eighties. Yeah, because every single song in the late sixties <laughs> no, had no, theremin the, on it. No, it's what the future sounded like. Mm. <laughs> and I think that's what I think synths are what the future sounded like. As my, Mike Love and the Beach Boys famously in in a perf, in the very first attempted live performance of Good Vibrations <laughs> called it the Woo Woo Machine. <laughs> he said, <laughs> "Hey man, they expect me to play this Woo Woo Machine. This is ridiculous. He wasn't wrong." He wasn't wrong. (laughs) He wasn't wrong. So I think that's part of it is just like Sting wanted to sound au courant and this is, these were the ingredients of that. Right. Um, But the other thing that I reckon is that um, this is the first record where he is doing full produced demos on his four track at home, right? Before he was writing at home and he was recording bits and bobs, but he was not doing fully- But he was always recording somebody else's house. Did you notice that in your reading? He was always recording at somebody else's house. Was he homeless? I don't know. You'd think. He was probably trying to stay away from his, oh yeah, wife and child. Children. Oh, no. I think it was just one. Yeah, yeah. Just one at this point. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a wife and child somewhere. Yeah. So I got to go over to uh, this Broadway actor's house and record a song. Actor. 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 Sure it wasn't actress. (laughs) That comes later, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. So I jumped over you to be like, Sting just recorded his own house. What's wrong with that? That's just weird. He's got a bathroom in his house I'm sure he could use. If there's one question we can answer with this project. (laughs) Why is he using Richard Harris's toilet? (laughs) Richard Harris? Yeah. The actor? The actor. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) We were just talking about that. How he goes to Broadway actors' houses. (laughs) Richard Harris, the actor? Yeah, the same guy we were talking about earlier. Ooh, that's a sweet, sweet slam. He's doing fully produced demos with a drum machine (laughs) and bass and synthesizer and some guitars and stuff like that. They're all fleshed out. And I think that, and I speak somewhat from experience on this, I think that when you are working on some music and 
you are recording it yourself and you've heard it over and over and over again because you have to in order to record a multi-party thing. You're yeah. like listening to it 10,000 times over and over and over again. You get very used to hearing it the way that it is. Mm. And any version of it that's not like that thing that has been etched in your memory can just start to sound wrong. Yeah. And I think that probably he was just going into these rehearsals with the boys with the neural pathways around these songs having been formed already. And when it started to sound different, he was just like, I can't handle this. I uh, Were his demos so – that sort of says that his demos in the past weren't as fully formed. No, they weren't. They absolutely okay. weren't. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We probably talked about that earlier. We did. Okay. Yeah. All right then. Um, and the best <laughs> example of this being um, the song Every Little Thing She Does is Magic. Which, okay, so, all right, let's play it. And then I'm going to, I have things. I have so many things. Do you want to actually start with the, the like, last exit era? Yes, please. Let's version the, of this yeah, song? Yeah, let's do an autopsy of this song. Let's see where <laughs> it started and where it ended up. By the way, speaking of Sting's uh, uh, college-era band Last Exit, in, in Stewart's movie, Andy gets off a sweet burn <laughs> about does. Last Exit. Last fucking exit. Yeah, fucking. Least exit. That's what I call it. Least exit! <laughs> That's what I call it. Least exit. <laughs> That just shows what a nice guy Andy is because that's the sweetest – I mean, that's like the harshest burn he could come up with. <laughs> I know. That's the best he's got. Yeah, that's the best he's got. <laughs> the worst he's got. That's, yeah. <laughs> Least exit. Little bossa nova. Yeah. Hey, little lady. Hey, lady. Let's go to have a picnic down by the look time. My, look at my tiny guitar I'm playing. <laughs> my big damn hands. Rainy days since we first met. I feel like I should be eating eggs at brunch listening to this. This sounds like legit something Barry Manilow would have written at the time. Yeah. But it's always me that ends up getting wet. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah? Okay. Hit me. Okay. 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 All right. So, okay. Sting's earlier songs um, in the first couple of albums, like Regatta de Blanc, and, you know, he doesn't do love songs per se. I mean, he's got a little bit of a harder edge to it, and now he's doing these love songs that are going to start coming up throughout the rest of his career. Like actual love songs? Yeah. Not subversions of love songs. Right, yeah. Yeah. And... Just looking, Happy Sting is never a good sting. Happy Sting is not a good sting. Yeah. And this song s- sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. It, it does. It really does. Now, um, because he had to resuscitate this old Last Exit era song that was written by the real Gordon Sumner. <laughs> right. <laughs> he had to- R.I.P. Had to pull it out of the box under the floorboard. <laughs> um, he had to then kind of like freshen up the arrangement. So he, Sting, why it was so good? It so started in seventy seven. So this is this is the one where like he he put a lot of work into the demo. He went to um, the legendary recording studio Le Studio. Les, cracks me up. North of uh, Montreal. Montreal. Yeah, Le, Le studio, studio, where Rush did all of their greatest work and lots of wonderful things happened in Le Studio. And speaking of the studio, he um, they switched up their producers. 
Oh yeah, who's yeah, it's Hugh, it's Hugh Padgham Hugh, now. Hugh Padgham. Hugh Padgham. Hugh no Padgham. longer Nigel, Nigel Gray. Yeah, Hugh Padgham. He's one of those like one of those British producers from the 1980s that are on every single one of the like super lush electronic sounding records. Yeah. Like, Hugh Padgham, Steve Lillywhite. They're all over those like Genesis records yes, and um, yeah. uh, Peter Gabriel. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. One of those guys. Hugh, it's a good English name, Hugh is. Hugh Patchum. So anyway, um, minus Hugh, I don't think Hugh was involved in this, Sting goes to Le Studio and works with like a session keyboardist, um, a really, I don't know who the dude is, but he's really good, um, to produce this demo. And if that sounds familiar to you, mm-hmm. it's because... They used. They ended up using the actual demo on the album version, and poor Stewart and Andy just had to play over the actual freaking demo. I mean, if you took the the piano parts and gave them to Stewart and said, "Can you transfer this to drums?" It would have been amazing. Well, awesome, exactly. Andy, interpret this for guitar. Right. Right. And in a little bit, in little bits in the in the Stewart documentary, you can actually hear them working on that, and mm. you can see the look on Sting's face. He's just like, "It's not right. It's not right. <laughs> My neural pathways say no." <laughs> it's schmaltzy. It's a schmaltzy song. But even then, the very best thing with the arrangement is freaking Stewart's hi hat playing. Yeah. <laughs> I do I do like the song a lot more in this version from where it came with the original Gordon. Mm, yeah. Um it's got it's a that note in the bass right there, the Lydian fourth, the raised fourth. <laughs> um I think it sounds cool. Stop. Cha. Da. Every wedding I, ever. Every wedding ever. Proms oh. and homecomings. <laughs> You're not a fan? I was. And I think as a single, it's fine. I think it doesn't... But now that you're married? Now that I'm married. <laughs> now that I'm married. Um, no, but I, it doesn't go with the album. If you're looking at you know the album as a feeling towards the whole thing, this just sticks out. This really is does, just yeah. like a bit of, I don't know, mass-produced... Schmaltz. 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 And, and I, I, I do really love the song, but I, I miss... The, there's no rawness there. Yeah. There's a little bit too much slickness. Yeah. And it doesn't sound, it sounds like my my guys aren't in it. My guys, my I need guys, my guys. I, I need my, my gang. I need my I boys. Need, I need my boys. My boys. I need my Andy and my Stuart to be a little bit more front and center on that song. Yeah. But, you know, maybe I'm also sad because I, I you start to see the, the beginning and the end. The beginning and the end? Yeah. Yeah. I just said that again because you didn't say it right. Beginning and then it's just friendship. You deviate, that. You're deviating from my that. home cassette demo, Meg. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm going to have Brian the drum machine. Dennis the Dennis. drum machine. This Brian. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Time to thank our first sponsor for today's program. It is uh, Invisible Sun Heating and Air for all your HVAC, insulation, and social justice needs. Think Invisible Sun Heating and Air. 
So Carolyn and Mandy, who run Invisible Sun um, Heating and Air. Oh, such good girls. Such great girls. Such great girls. Um, they will come in and they're going to look at your insulation. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at your AC. They're going to caulk your windows. But they're also going to look at the other kind of energy sucks in your house. And that is the social justice energy sucks. Oh. So we're going to see, make sure that your coffee is, uh, is free trade. We're going to talk about your daughters um, wanting to go into the beauty pageants. I mean, because that's that's a real energy suck. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to – you got to – Right. So she needs to be empowered to do her job. So really, it's it's a uh, addict to to basement and every member of your family's needs in Invisible Sun, Heating and Air. Sounds like a great service. It's such a great service. Should we listen to Invisible Sun? Okay, so how do you take everything she does is magic and then have Invisible Sun on the same album? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, one of them should have been the Zed side, is what you're saying? <laughs> one of them shouldn't even have been on this album. Do you, do, you, do you think that when English people say zebra, they call it a zebra? Ooh, I don't know. Have they call some <laughs> British people? <laughs> So here we have Sting, like, with his bass pedals. He, he, he had a pedal yeah. board that was made for an organ, and he's, like, playing these bass notes with his foot. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that's the Power Nines chord. Hey, it's your nickname. Yeah. What's up, Power Nine? What's up, now, Power Nine? What's up, Power Nine? They brought U2 as a, an opening act with, with them on this tour for part of the leg. Yeah. And Bono always sang this song with them. I bet he did. Again, that is just such a sting thing to do. Like, we're going to just slam it down your throat. Mm. Here's a story about, you know, the troubles. The troubles. The troubles. troubles. And we've got, you know, this romantic Irish singer singing it in a really emotive way. (laughs) Subtlety is not either one of their strong points. So I like, I like the pre-chorus. Chromatic shift down. Again, Stuart Strummick. Ready? Yeah. Always finding ways to put a creative spin on something in yeah. which he's had increasingly little input. Yeah, that must have been so frustrating. Such a dark sounding album, and it's not just in the songwriting. It's like music. Some, some, it's not, I, and I'm saying not just in the music either. It's something about the production to me feels very dark. Mm. It feels very small and um, cramped somehow in, in a way that seems intentional. Like yeah. um, sort of reminds me of uh, Metallica's "And Justice for All" album, which everybody mocks the production of that, but I like I love that it sounds so like just sterile and just like gunmetal gray and uncomfortably um, uh, uh, tight. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems interesting that they, they recorded this in this tropical paradise. I know. And Why the hell did they go to Montserrat Ma- for this shit? <laughs> they should have done it in like Warsaw or something. Yeah. Like just someplace dark and damp and because that's kind of how it feels like. It's a dark, damp, dank album. <laughs> Uh, I'll, actually, I'll tell you why they had to go 
to an island paradise to tell, do this record. Tell me all about it. Because Sting has started playing the saxophone. Saxophone, jazzy saxophone. Jazz. Jazz. Sting learned how to play a few notes on the saxophone, and boy, does he <laughs> want to show ya. Does he want to punish you with that knowledge? What is it the 1980s? Do some hey. cocaine. Do some cocaine. Trade some socks. Wear a blazer. Wear a blazer. Roll up the sleeves. Oh, dude, I remembered, I, I figured out the thing. The other day I was trying to remember um, a term for like old old school like Borscht Belt comedy technique where you'd fake a foreign language. Yeah. It's called double talk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is this double talk or is this real French? You took French in high school. I, I think it's real French. Oh, yeah. okay, never mind. <laughs> if he's, yeah, mocking, that's kind of like a more esoteric language to mock than French. Like half the globe speaks it. Ugh. Why French? Why French? Because he's a lover. Well, that's what I mean. I told you, Paul, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> you said, I was reading in the liner notes that, and, and some interviews, that he said that um, he was reading a lot of, I think, Arthur Kepler. That he was the one who wrote uh, the book or an essay called Ghost of the Machine. and I thought it was all about Jung. No, Jung is synchronicity. Jung is synchronicity, but it's also um, Kepler as well. Okay. Kepler writes about synchronicity in a more um, understandable way. Okay. So it, Arthur Kepler, he's reading a lot of Arthur Kepler in his youth. and um, Picked up that copy from Pompous Douchebag from Books. Pa- he really did. He really did. He's <laughs> like, hey, what do you got for Kepler? Um, and so a lot of the themes that he... And you can absolutely tell now that this is Sting's album because it's all about what he's reading. And he'll pick up on this, you know, later on in life, um, in his career. And, and so he Should we start a were... segment called Sting's Book Club? Sting's Book Oh, yes. Let's do it now. Okay. Welcome to Sting's Book Club. Oh, did you hear this bing? <laughs> <laughs> I got a text. <laughs> bing! Sting's Book Club. Oh, uh, today we're reading. <laughs> we're gonna read a dirty book by a Russian. <laughs> yes, we are. He's in love with a child. That's literature for you, God. Um. Anyway, so Sting's book club. Sting's book club. Ding. So Arthur Kepler. Um, and he was writing also about, I guess, lust, and that's why Sting wrote the song in French because it's really a song about lust. And um, and. French is the French people fuck a lot, yeah. Yeah, French people, you know, love that S-E-X. And so that's why he wrote it in French. And he writes in French later on in his career, too. I don't yeah. know why. He's not good at it, he says. But he's still, I mean, it's... he's just arrogant enough to be like, I'm not good at this, but it's still good enough to be on my album. Fuck you in French. Uh, how do you say that? Le fuck you. <laughs> Le fuck you. You sons of bitches. Oh la la. I love France. Just wanted to throw it in there. Spent three days in France. Good work, France. Way to go. <laughs> Andy, oh. surprisingly, gets a contribution in here, he a songwriting contribution. <laughs> he does. And it's Omega Man. Which is actually a good song. I, I love the sort of, like, laser beam sounding guitar thing. <laughs> It 
It sounds like early police. So according to Andy's telling of the story, A&M Records listened to the album mm-hmm. and were like, oh, Omega Man, that's the first single. And Sting was all, le fuck you. <laughs> le fuck you, no. And I think part of that is just Sting wanting to maintain control. But remember how I was talking before about how I think that Sting sort of sabotages some of the songs by the other guys? You think he's not this singing is one as of well? them. So, like, listen to... Okay, the verse is sounding quite lovely, but listen to the chorus when it comes up. And we talk about, like, Sting's, like, pleasantly in kind of coolly atonal background yeah. vocals. This really kind of takes it beyond the, the, the boundaries of pleasant. <laughs> like, listen here. Yeah, I think he's just deliberately not trying very hard. It's still it's still a good chorus. Yeah. I feel like it could the be. The best part is a guitar solo, this. It just sounds like a... It sounds like an, 1981 exploded. An, yeah, an analog video game. It does. Yeah. <laughs> or like one of those uh, music videos you could make at the mall, and it's like like a repeated pattern of that person. Oh, yeah. you do in front of a green screen yeah, at the yeah, mall, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what this sounds like. Yeah, and I can see, I can also really see why the record company thought this would be the first single because this really sounds like the new wave. It does. This sounds like the era of music that the police had themselves had given birth to. Right. Um, but maybe Sting was feeling they had already moved past a little bit. I don't know. Maybe. Mostly just Sting wanted the money because if you didn't know this, folks, about how popular music <laughs> works, whoever gets the songwriting credit gets way more money than the other guys. Yep. For generations to come. Yep. Yeah. Poor Andy. Oi, Sting, you oh. don't like my song. You don't <laughs> you, like my song. You shut up. You shut up. I'm going to take Brian, the drum machine. I'm going to take him. I'm going to throw him in the river. Tyne. Just the bottom the tine. of the tine. The tine. And it's time for Meg's awful accents. Hello. What's all this then? <laughs> Time to thank our second sponsor for today's show, Tiny Men Shorts. Gentlemen, do you think the world isn't seeing enough of your inner thighs? Reach for a pair of Tiny Men Shorts. Yeah, the kind with the like little notch on the side. And like and the running stripe? The, on the racing side. stripe. Yeah. Right? But the notch is really the key structural feature. So when you're like <laughs> running and you're in that like gazelle-like moment of your stride. The, the the fabric will move with you, right? <laughs> right. That'll actually sports. Yeah, exactly. Oh, 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 I, I got I picked up a pair of tiny men's shorts the other day, just like the kind that you can see Sting wearing in these studio sessions. Yes. That are just like Daisy Dukes, you they know? Really They're are. Just... He's, he's showing it off for Jules yeah. Holland. Oof. There's just like there's, you know, a little bit of ball hanging out a lot of the time, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I... Island rules, baby. <laughs> It's the traditional dress. Right. Traditional dress of the Monserati people. Right, exactly. All right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When in Rome. When in Rome. Hang I mean... some ball. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I picked up a pair of tiny, tiny men's shorts the other day, and I put them on, and just, I felt so free. I, I felt so did. liberated. Mm-hmm. Everything was breathing. As it and, should. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> It was just, it was just, it was an island paradise in my house. Nice. And then my wife walked in mm-hmm. and she said, ah, God, 
I'm blind. <laughs> we have children, I'm Adam. Blind. This, the light reflecting off of those thighs. I my my corneas are burned. <laughs> the poor woman. Yeah. She's got to wear those blue blockers now. Yeah, yeah. So she has a cane now. <laughs> but you get special parking. Yeah, but that also means that I get to wear the shorts all the time because she oh, doesn't know. Oh, nice. Right? Yeah. Nice. So I'm basically like, I'm not free. It's not both balls, but there's really one ball is free at any given time <laughs> on either side of, well, of you, those. Yeah. You know, you got to keep them coming back for more, right? <laughs> you don't want to show show off the game before, <laughs> before you've locked it down. So we want to thank our good friends at Tiny Men's Shorts. Go check them out. Oh, they're good. <laughs> Real good. They're good. Real so good. good. They're so good. <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk about any other songs on this? Um, you know, I really do like uh, Secret Journey. Secret Journey? You like that song? I do like Secret Journey. If you listen to Sting's um, really early, early efforts, um, least exit, <laughs> um, you'll see he's really into this whole gothic, you know, medieval kind of swords. Swords. I think he'd be a big Game of Thrones fan. I think he would. He's not dead. Yeah, so he could be. Yeah. <laughs> it could absolutely be. <laughs> and it's hard to imagine Sting of 27, 2018 watching television. Right. <laughs> it's, like that, it's like Lincoln using a microwave. Like Abraham Lincoln using a microwave. Like somebody just exists in one time period and doing one thing. Maybe while he's doing his tantric asshole exercises. Television program now. <laughs> Programs. I kind of like so broody synth swells. It is this. broody. It is very broody. Yeah, that's really the right word for this whole record, isn't it? And and then and then you've got everything she does is magic, which yeah. No. Why do you like this tune, the Secret Journey tune? Um, I like chorus. Oh. I just like it? it. I just like this song. It does sound like some kid in the eighth grade who had just read um, Lord of the Rings. Mm. Um, yeah, the song. You can it's... almost imagine him scribbling the lyrics in the side of his like trapper keeper notebook yeah. with like little drawings of like wizards and stuff. <laughs> I met a holy man. I met a holy man. I think his singing is really good in this, though. I yeah. Well, I'm not sure if I like it, but to me it's very interesting, the extreme vocal layering that's in this this album. Mm. Eh, there's, like, nothing that's not layered with, like, a whole bunch of harmonies on top of it. Yeah. And it just sounds like a... I don't know. It's, it's, it's unnatural in a way that is, is disturbing in a way that I think that he intended. And I... I... It does with the brutality of the, the album, the darkness of the album, and the... Um, it's very... Uh, and you'll see this later on in synchronicity as well. Um, alienating. Yeah. It's very alienating. Well, there's another song on this record that I know that you like, and it actually wasn't on the record. And <laughs> it's um, oh, and it's I Burn For You. I love this song. I Burn For You. This The uh, other two guys didn't like this song. And even though they cut it for the record. Le fuck you, other two guys. <laughs> Le fuck you. It was a great song. Let's listen. 
So again, you know, Sting is getting more into these love songs. Well, I Burn For You is yet another least exit song. It is. It is. <laughs> He's really burning through the papers in that box. Really <laughs> it's like... It's like, dude, you got to ration that shit. You really do. It's a great song. It really is one for the ladies, isn't it? This it song. really is one for the ladies. It's a couple skate kind of thing. And really, it doesn't kick in until the drums. Because this is a weird song to listen to in a room with a guy who's not your boyfriend. <laughs> like, like, this is just weird. It's a torch song. Yeah. 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 I think that's, um, yeah. I yeah. think every woman that I've ever been involved with, I think that's what she wants to hear. I burn for you. Uh, like, yeah. I, I'm losing... I'm losing my composure and my desire for you is... But yeah. it seems, you know, good for about two weeks, and then you don't want to handle that guy anymore. <laughs> and you don't, want to, you don't want to have that guy on your doorstep anymore. And so I guess this was on the soundtrack for a film, this version. But, like, the... What the, film? Um, I think it's 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 here in the YouTube video. Um, the YouTube's. Brim, Brimstone and, and Treacle. Treacle. He was in that movie. You actually saw this movie? <laughs> I haven't actually seen it. I've seen bits of it. I've seen his parts of it. <laughs> Brimstone Brim, and Treacle. Brimstone and Treacle. Is that like a Hello. film about tea parties and it's, shit? It's, t- I, I, you know, I think it's one of those weird, because it was also in Quadrophenia. Yeah. And his wife at the time um, is an, was an actress and continues to be an actress, although she's no longer his wife. Um, so I think that's why he got into acting. But he has a small role in this, I think. Yeah. I haven't seen it because it's, you know, you don't. You know, seek out Sting's acting career if you want to have any respect for him as a human being, as an artist. <laughs> There's, I, I got, I've been trying to find it and I can't. But there was a video clip I saw of Stewart uh, a long time ago talking about how Sting was doing all of these roles like Quadrophenia and Dune and playing these like evil characters. <laughs> yeah. And he's saying like Sting got it in his head at this point that he's like Beelzebub, that he's like. <laughs> He's the, he's the dark one, and and I had to tell him, no, Sting, you're just a common garden variety asshole. <laughs> your face. Oh, your face. Your face. Your basic, Sting. Your basic, and I love you. Is it time for power rankings? Uh, where are we at? We got Atlandos in the number one spot. We do. Regatta de White Folks at number two. At the dose. And <laughs> Zenyatta Mundududada. Didi Doots. Didi Doots. Didi Doots. Didi Doots. is at number three. Yeah. Number Trace. Trace. Numero, numero, numero Trace. Trois. Numero, numero Trace. Trois. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about Numero Trace. Um, <laughs> where would you put the ghost in the machina? Okay, so we've got to think again. This is Sting. We can't, as a police We're judging album, by Sting, Sting's we're contributions. By Sting's contribution, which, which are rather overwhelming on this record. They are overwhelming. They are overwhelming. They're disappointingly overwhelming. Um, but I think I may have to put it above Outlandos because I'm starting to see the Sting. I'm starting to see the Sting that I'll see you later on in my life. Um, 
I think this is like a proto sting. Like if Outlandos was proto musician, mm-hmm. this album is proto sting. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I have no problem put I have no problem putting it above Zenyatta da Dada. Yeah. Mm. Um, I feel a little weird putting it above Regatta de Blanc, but again, if we're looking at Sting's songwriting as opposed to the performance of the band, right? Then yes, I suppose Ghost in the Machine goes above the 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 reggae the white the white man's the reggae. white man's reggae. Um, Outlandos. I, oh, that's so here, hard. Here's the thing. I actually think the songwriting on Ghost in the Machine is a little weak. And it's you can tell that he's running out of ideas because a lot of these songs, they're they're not they're not songs. They're like grooves over which Sting has written some words. Mm. Um, they're sort of riffs, grooves. They're not like developmental chord progressions that sort of take you on a journey from one place to another. Oh, and there's some notable exceptions to that, like every little thing and um, secret journey, secret journey, which is actually about a journey. <laughs> But in general, I think he's like he's getting into a pretty humdrum songwriting um, rut with this one, in my humble opinion. You know, I wonder if this is where he loses you. Like, I know you're not a huge fan of Sting. And you seem, no. to, you seem to have really enjoyed the stuff up until now. I wonder if this is when you separate ways. Yeah, maybe. Um See, this is no, one... but the main the main reason I, this is my least favorite police album is that this is the one where the other two guys are least felt. Yeah, to me. Yeah, um, they they you know synchronicity is absolutely one where Sting totally utterly dominates again. But yeah. like uh, Andy, especially, I think really fought to make himself heard on that album in ways that are really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Okay, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this one. We'll go ahead and put Ghost at the very top. You think? Okay. I, I so here. I mean, the thing is, Outlandos is has a bunch of horrible songs on it too. But it's musically. But really it has good. a couple of ones. It has you know, it has Roxanne <laughs> and and Can't Stand Losing, which are just like yeah, so unbelievably great. Like those two songs are much better than anything that's on Ghost in the Machine. But if we're t- you know going by the average temperature, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for going by averages, if we're yeah, if we're going by averages. You then, know, I'm actually going to give this to you. Because I'm magnanimous like that, we can take put this at number two. I don't want things, I don't want. I don't feel like Outland. I feel silly putting Outlandos above Ghost in the Machine. Ghost in the Machine is a much more realized um, statement. It's it's much more mature. It sounds like one album all the way through. Yeah, I feel like honestly, if you're going on a song by song average, then yes, Ghost is better than Outlandos. Okay, all right. I I I'm good with that. Because I do feel like this is the beginning of the corporation of Sting. If Sting no of longer Stingco? of Stingco, I think that this is the start of Stingco uh, of the brand of this is the beginning of the brand. We're that's no not, longer a person; we are now a brand. That's not what they would have called it in Britain. What are their like marketing terms? <laughs> yeah, no, for corporations like uh, um, Sting's private guarantee of assurance. <laughs> okay. Ltd. Ltd. LTD yeah, is uh, is what that would have been. <laughs> it's LLC. It's it's something. Although, actually, come to think of it, no, he because he would have didn't he didn't he leave England around this time to, for actually, for tax, tax reasons? Yeah, yeah, he was living in the west of Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where all the rockers were going to Ireland at this time. I think so. Um, a because they wanted to exploit the troubles and write songs about it <laughs> in a grab for authenticity. In a grab for authenticity, and B the marginal tax bracket in England at this time. Was, it was 95%. Oh, Jesus. 
Like, did you know that it was 90, like post the post-war tax bracket was 95% at the highest. Man. So when, when, when George Harrison wrote, um, tax man, he, and he was said, really, yeah. Yeah. He said, um, uh, let me tell you how it will be. That's one for you. 19 for me. That's not an exaggeration. Yeah. 19 is 95% of 20. And what's and why I and I, I love, love socialism. I'm down with the socialism, but wow, that's that's, that's taking it a that's little far. A lot. Um, but that's also why I love Paul McCartney because he, you know, as much as Sting and a lot of these British rockers, aging British rockers, are like, you know, I'm British and this is where I'm from and da 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 da. They don't live there. Mm. They're not paying that tax rate. <laughs> Paul McCartney is. <laughs> <laughs> Paul McCartney's like, listen, man, I'm going to pay into the system that that brought me up. So I feel like that's a lot of integrity that maybe Sting doesn't have. I think Paul McCartney is just like, I've made so much money that 5% of it is still all the money in the world. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Actually, the George Harrison comparison is, is interesting because like George Harrison, for a guy who was all about like inner peace and, <laughs> you know, shit, wrote a lot of songs about how he was getting screwed out of his money. Yeah. Taxman and Only a Northern Song. And I'm sure there are some others. They're all about how he wasn't getting paid enough. Like, and Sting with all of his fucking, his like tantric asshole exercises. Right. Man, does he like money, that guy. Oh my God, he loves money. Loves he lo- the loves the money. That's why I was so surprised to see that he had left England that soon in his career. Like he wasn't like waiting for it at all. He's like, like, fuck it, I'm gonna jump the ship right now. Yeah. I'm not down with the taxes. I'm not down with taxes. All right. Today's words of wisdom are from the song Secret Journey. Of course. Of course. Which, if you've ever watched the original version of The Office, sound like something David Brent would have written for his band, Foregone Conclusion. (laughs) Do you ever sometimes read lyrics to songs out loud and you're like, I would be humiliated to have written this? But having it sung, it it just sort of makes it up. (laughs) Just like, oh, this is so embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for you to read this song. Um, Okay, ready? No, everybody just... Turn down the lights. If you've got a black candle, go ahead and light it. If you've got some sort of like skull and bones or would you like would you like some like um, medieval battle sound yeah. effects? Some swords oh, clanging. Yes. Okay. Yes, you got it. <laughs> Upon a secret journey, I met a holy man. His blindness was his wisdom. I'm, I'm so- such a lonely man. <laughs> His blindness was his wisdom. Met a holy man. I'm such a lonely man. You can't rhyme man with man. You can't rhyme something with itself. I mean, his blindness was his wisdom. Did 13-year-old Gordon write that? And I like that song. Can you imagine? It was a blind man who showed us the way. (laughs) Who would have thunk it? You Dis- think something's wrong with that blind man? No, he's wiser than you. He's wiser than you. All right? <laughs> Disabled people have things to offer as well. Who would have thought it? <laughs> Who would have thought? Wow. But, but not in like a normal, practical way, but mm. in a very spiritual, esoteric way. Yeah. Yeah. They must know things like truth and honor and the real sense of justice. Swords. Swords. <laughs> Well, this has been Outlandus, the podcast. If you want to tell us everything that we've gotten wrong, um, don't. Don't do uh, it. If you want to tell us something else, you can. On Twitter, I'm at A. Ragusia. Meg is at Donahue Meg. And use our tremendously intuitive and not easily confused hashtag. <laughs> of dads? No. No, shit. Okay. Shit. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Jazz dads ships. Jazz 
dad's ships. Yep, it's the three pillars of Sting's consciousness. We got a lot of jazz on this record. We did. Did we get any dads? No. Yeah, see, because he's in his, like, Julian Lennon phase of fatherhood at this point. Yeah. Like, he has a kid, but it's the one he's going to forget about, oh, right? Jesus. He's not yet entered the Sean Lennon phase of his of his fathering where he has a child that he actually acknowledges. That Oh, that breaks my heart for yeah. oh, Julian. Yeah. That's why I don't think John Lennon was a good or person. Who's, who's, who is, what's this thing's first son named? Uh, Joe. Benny? Benny. Benny. Lil Ben. Benny Sunder. Lil Ben. Yeah. 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 So maybe we'll get some dad stuff when uh, he actually has a child he's going to pay attention to. <laughs> <laughs> and then ships. Were there any, any ships on Ghost in the Machine? No, but it was. Um, no, he's too digital. <laughs> yeah. But it was recorded in Montserrat. Exactly. Yes. It was recorded on an island. Yeah. R.I.P. Montserrat. Which <laughs> got exploded. Got exploded. <laughs> yeah. Shortly after. It did. They're like, I can't stop this. <laughs> <laughs> The, the earth was just like, I must cleanse this ground. <laughs> cleanse cleanse the, the ground with fire. Cleanse the earth. <laughs> Sting sat all kinds of places with those really short shorts. Right. And we just got to <laughs> sterilize. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.